Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, with me today is an executive chairman who has probably seen more economic downturns and upswings than anyone in the Australian media, marketing and agency sector. That doesn't mean he's really old, but Cleminger Group Executive Chairman Robert Morgan will no doubt have some strong views on where this current environment could end up for all of us. Robert has a long-held view that you take your medicine early in a downturn, so let's see how he's managing this one. Welcome, Rob Morgan, and I guess before we start getting into the trenches, have you seen anything like this in the decade, shall we say, that you've been in the business? I don't think anybody's seen anything like this, Paul. Uh, not not just in advertising. I don't think um, uh, we've seen in, anything remotely approaching what this is. Effectively, a combination of a of a health crisis as well as an economic crisis, and we've never had that before. I don't think we've had anything like this since World War Two, which is thankfully somewhat before my time. Yes, <laughs> good point. Rob, Omnicom, your parent company, we should just clarify too, by the way, Omnicom is your parent company, but local staff still have a percentage of the business, right? What is that number at the moment? Well, we're owned by Omnicom or via BBDO actually, and we've got 26% of the of the equity in Australia and New Zealand, and that's held by about 400 of staff in, in both countries. Omnicom being your parent, Rob, uh, it delivered uh, some surprising results in the in the first quarter uh, of this year with uh, revenues or earnings up 7.1% and a slight decline in revenues to about $3.41 billion. John Wren, the global CEO at Omnicom, also flagged in quarter two that, that the company across the globe will be continuing to evaluate its agency portfolios uh, for non-core or underperforming units and uh, looking at potential realignment, I think was the word he used. What's going on at Clemager Group in Australia uh, for the coming period? What have you been doing and what, what's the outlook for you? Well, I mean, obviously, there was a, a major shock you know, seven or eight weeks ago. The overarching point as far as, and I'd say this you know, in respect of Omnicom, I mean, it is a strong company and it will weather the storm. And I think We've always been reasonably conservative in terms of the, you know, um, keeping enough cash in the business and ensuring that in a storm, we're well equipped in terms of working capital and, and those sort of things. So in, in a sense, we um, we have had been through a few of a few storms, not quite as big as this one, but certainly the lessons of the past would tell you that uh, the best companies keep enough capital and enough working capital in them so they can work through it. On the other hand, inevitably, some of our businesses have been affected more than others. I mean, for example, we have a, um, a field marketing company that, that literally works in uh, retail stores and in places like Harvey Norman, et cetera, et cetera, uh, merchandising and, uh, and, and so on. I mean, they basically have had their entire business uh, stopped. In their case, they've had a major, major setback. Thankfully, the JobKeeper program, in, in their case, has been has been fantastic in that in that it's kept their they've been able to keep their business alive and keep their people on during what has been a, a terrible 
time from their point of view. Alternatively, you know, we've got other businesses which have, which have been weathering it, you know, much better. Um, for example, our agency in Wellington's been working on the whole New Zealand, um, you know, response in terms of the communication. And they've been working literally 24 four hour days for, you know, for weeks. So we have a, a, a very wide portfolio of businesses. So, every, you know, everything from advertising right through to field marketing, government relations, public relations. It's all been, in a sense, you know, they've been different. But the one overarching point I, I would make is I think if you've got a problem in these, in these times, it is better to act early um, if you have to make cuts, then you need to make them reasonably quickly and you do your very best to keep as many people as you can working. I mean, we, we asked um, the leaders of our companies to take a salary cut. Uh, every one of them did that. Most of our company's people have volunteered to make some sort of salary sacrifice. What was the range? What were the salary cuts that you talk about there from your leadership team? I think we're talking 20%, you know, be a, a figure that I'd use. I certainly did that. Just how many companies in the group? 30-something, I think, when you add it all up, you know, individual operating units, yeah. And revenues, annual revenues? Our revenues, uh, there's a new, uh, it's 500 and, uh, million, 520 million. So you talk about having 30 companies in your portfolio now. It sounds like you've been consolidating over the last couple of years anyway because you were up around 50 or 60 oh, at one point. No, we didn't. No, that wasn't us. I, I can't remember, Paul, how many we had at one stage. Probably a few more. If it's 30 units now, do you see it might eventually, you know, get to 25 then? Is that what you're thinking? Could. Yeah, I do. I do think we'll have more consolidation in terms of the smaller companies becoming closer related to the, to the bigger ones, whether they're divisionalised or whatever, that depends on a, a number of things. But we want, the overall point is we want to have a coherent and integrated capability across a number of disciplines under one banner or two banners, whatever it is. So I, I, I think we will have more capability under the bigger brands and using the smaller companies to enhance that capability and making it easier for clients to buy us. Early cuts, you've been there, you've been going at it. Whereabouts uh, are you at the moment? How comfortable do you feel about where the company is positioned now? Look, Paul, you, you know, I've said to people on this, you know, you think you're at the end of the beginning and something happens. I do think that, you know, and I'd give credit to the Australian government and the New Zealand governments in the terms of the way they've handled the health side of it. And also uh, the way that they've handled um, the economic stimulus side of it. I, th I think certainly, as I say, the JobKeeper program here and equivalent um, programs in New Zealand have been very helpful. Um, so look, April, you know, obviously is the darkest darkest month, and you know the figures in media are pretty are pretty devastating in terms of the you know the cuts. You know, you're talking 40, 50 percent in terms of media. So that obviously has flowed through to us. However, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of businesses have have uh, continued to promote. Some have changed the mix, and quite a few have changed from what you might call traditional broadcast media into what might be more, uh, you know, Google and Facebook and social media platforms, and spending a lot more time building their e-commerce capabilities and their communications that pertain to those. So there's been a bit of a shift in terms of the of the media mix. I think as an overarching point, I, I sort of subscribe to the view that whatever trends were sort of apparent prior to this 
probably have been accelerated and that's probably what's going to happen. I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way we were, but we're certainly not going to, there's not going to be a, uh, you know, a wholesale change. I think it'll be an acceleration of change. Obviously, the rise of precision marketing and clients using their own media and their own databases is going to accelerate. At the same time, though, I think that there are many companies that are that are, that are maybe missing an opportunity to get out there and promote. I um, mean, historically, in these times, it's been the companies that have held their advertising and marketing up that have done better coming out of it. And there's a there's a wealth of of, of of anecdotal, but as well as well as empirical evidence that would support that. And so I would in, I would say that you know um, often it's, the temptation is to hibernate, go to ground, when in fact with the opportunities out there in media that we've got at the moment, there are some brilliant ways that you can actually get some momentum. You talked about how this this crisis had had advanced uh, change in the industry across whether it be media agencies, uh, marketing tech, you name it, clients. Do you expect to see uh, how big is the structural change and how much contraction do you think would be across the media sector as as opposed to the agency uh, businesses? But contraction there ultimately by what five, ten, fifteen, twenty? Some are talking twenty percent contraction in media. In traditional media? Yes. Yeah, I think um, some of the media companies that are having difficulties have got difficulties not because of the relevance of their media but partly because of their debt. Uh, you know, obviously, if they haven't got enough capital, that's why they're in, in all sorts of trouble. I think you'll see a move back to traditional media will come back to a certain extent as particularly clients and brands need to do more brand work whether it comes back to where it was, there probably, I would think there will be some further consolidations. Um, it's not inconceivable that there be some seriously things that may never have been contemplated. I mean, the rise of, uh, of social media platforms has changed everything. Um, and so, you know, you may well see more consolidation in the traditional TV and radio areas, not to mention print. What about agencies and holding companies and the the, the structural uh, pickup in pace that may be happening there? We're, we're not going to see it. We can't see as many, surely, as many uh, agency groups and offers as we do today in two years' time. Well, I mean, again, it's like, you know, there are, I'm, and, and no one would want to, you know, for shadow companies going broke. But clearly people that aren't, you know, that are not capable of weathering this storm might, might have to merge or, or disappear. I mean, I know in, in, in any group, there's always, it's like a cricket cricket order, you know, the, the, it, once you get down to the bottom, you know, two or three batsmen, you're not looking at terribly good. In good times, they don't make any runs. Uh, and in really bad times, they go out very quickly. So I think it's important that when you've got a, a series of businesses and there are a couple of, you know, those that are struggling, you've got to deal with quickly. So we will be we, we will be consolidating businesses that are not capable of, of weathering this storm themselves. And I think that would apply across the across the, the spectrum. I, I could imagine all the holding companies doing exactly the same thing. Is that still to come, do you think? Look, there's no, no, no doubt that this, this is going to change the way we work. And certainly... We are putting more of our companies together, uh, not changing their names or anything, but we are going to be, we, we're aggregating our offers more than ever and we will bring companies um, together to enhance our overall offer. 
for example, in, in it, it will bring our e-commerce stroke web development um, capabilities much closer to our agencies. Same with our data and analytics. So we, what we're going to be doing is putting more capability into our into our traditional businesses at the same time, um, you know, making it easier for our clients to buy what will be more important to them going forward. You talked about precision marketing, which is often, you know, data-led and personalization and a whole bunch of technology-enabled or fueled strategies. Um, one of your star performers, I guess, in the group at the moment is, is Clemenger Harvey Proximity or CHIP. It has offloaded, though, up to well, maybe more. You can tell us 70 people, so forth. So even as a, as a, as a strong unit in the group, it's been also uh, offloading people uh, in preparation for what's coming. What does that say about that particular part of the market? It's not 70. I think it was the figure was 30. But look, I mean, they'd grown enormously over the last 12 months. And funnily enough, they'd won a lot of uh, new business. And then they got hit with some significant cuts in uh, in um, March. And so we acted, or the team there acted proactively. I'm delighted to say that since since then, there's been a um, renewed activity in that area. So that side of the business is only going to grow. Um, as I say, as clients use their own media, their own databases, and we can get much more precise in terms of understanding what people want when, and we can predict when they're going to be ready, um, and we can tailor communications to them knowing more about them. I mean, that is, in a sense, the holy grail of the industry, about what we do. We believe we do have a powerhouse company in CHE proximity that can operate with great depths of skill in, in the new areas, of, in, particularly in technology and data, as well as, um, as targeting. Rob, CHE uh, Proximity also has media in the portfolio. It does creative, it does customer experience, it does data and analytics and a whole bunch of other things, MarTech, marketing automation. Is that model, that agency model that, that CHEP is working, uh, has, has built, is that where you think uh, all agencies should go or is it a specialism? What happens to your creative shops like Cleminger, the, 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 the companies, the Cleminger agencies? Everybody's going to have to be well-versed at and capable in, in those areas. I mean, CHEP has built a business from a data and technology background. It's been reborn, if you like, as a, as a new age direct marketing capability and precision marketing is, is clearly what it, it's known for. Having said that, they've done some really fantastic uh, creative work. So they've, they've built from a technology and data basis, but they've added uh, a layer of creativity that, that wasn't expected from them and now is and now is. Um, alternatively, we, we have the Clemenger BBDO and the Colenzi BBDO network that are born of a creative background and, and they are, you know, and have always been seen at the very top in terms of creativity. Indeed, we see that as more important than ever. Indeed, we have a mantra around at the moment, which is creativity is always the answer. We can target brilliantly, we can identify people brilliantly, and we can do it incredibly efficiently. But the difference between efficiency and effectiveness, in our view, is creativity. I can reach Paul McIntyre easily, but if I can't entrance him, I can't inveigle him to, to watch, engage and listen, then he's gonna flick me much quicker 
than he's ever done before. We need as an industry to be to be believers in the power of creativity being more important than ever. We see both of those agency networks having comparable skills but a slightly different emphasis in terms of that from which they came. Um, but in the end, uh, you know, Colenso BBDO or Clemenger BBDO needs to have, you know, well-developed skills in 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 data analytics, e-commerce, etc. And we we have been able through through recent or or past acquisitions to give them that capability. So I I feel confident that you know we have a, a an offer that can match the needs of the clients as they come out of this, just as we had it when we went into it. So we'll be different. The challenge is to move quickly. You know, obviously we've got to do what you might call um, high velocity production, faster, cheaper and well. And certainly we've got capabilities that we've built, we've built on that on that front. You know, you're right that, that Cleminger, the, the agency brand is historically, creativity has been its flag bearer how you define creativity and what you're doing with it now in terms of building out creative messaging must be radically different, though, to what you could do pre-COVID. What does that mean for your definition of what creativity looks like? It's it's quite hard to do the, the shoots that we were used to, although we are doing one for a major client that, where the director is actually in London. Uh, so it's being directed remotely. So, I mean, you can do it, and we are doing it, and I think you can still get great work up. I mean, I still, as I say, as I say, creativity, it becomes more important. Um, sure, we've had to, we've had to, you know, cut corners and, and do things cheaply during this period. And we will continue to do that. It's a good discipline and something we've got to continue to, to build. But at the end of the day, we still need to have great creativity. What do you think might happen to, you know, as we come through COVID, the other side of COVID, what happens to the cost base for developing creative? Do you see sort of, you know, if we just pull out a, a, a range that's a, that's a hunch for you, do you think the cost of developing creative and how Cleminger Group developed creative could be, are you talking 10 20% change in the in reduction in, in, in the cost of building out creative campaigns? Look, I think in any, in any situation, it's got to be horses for courses, um, Paul. I mean, high-velocity work, has to be done economically because there's a high level of disposability. I mean, you can't um, uh, you can't justify spending huge amounts if it's only going to be used for a short period of time. Alternatively, investing in um, what I'd call sustainable or long-term brand platforms does require, uh, I believe, work to be of a standard that can attract and vagal and and, and, and and motivate people. So I don't think there's a – everything will be cheap. Certainly there is downward cost pressure and we totally accept that and we have to have vehicles that can deliver that. Um, a lot of people have talked about, you know, clients in housing capabilities and production. Um, I would argue – I mean, that, that can work. I would argue that we can do it better as well – better and and financially uh, equivalent in an equivalent way. What do you see uh, what the new ratio might look like with this high-velocity creative production that you talk about versus your brand development, brand platform stuff? What was it and where do you see it 
uh, heading in the next, you know, 12 months, two years, that mix? I don't know that I could really answer that precisely. I, I, I do think that there is, as we move to one-to-one communications, um, you, you have to do multiple versions of a communication. So you do have to keep the cost down. So there is an – you do amortise it over – you know, if you might have made one execution in the past, you might make 25 executions now. So you can't afford to do them. Uh, you've got to find a way of doing that in, a, in an economical way. So I would think that we're going to be doing more production. The, the unit cost goes down, but the actual numbers of spots and films and so on might go up. One of your grand uh, rivals, long-time rivals at WPP, have uh, are working on the centralised creative production unit, which is essentially around everything you talk about, this high production, fast turnaround stuff, and even creative production for brand work for the agencies. That's obviously been tried before, but they're really pushing hard on that. And it's about scale and cost. Do you see uh, benefit in a centralised production creative hub for all your agencies, or will you do it differently? No, we won't do it that way. Um, Absolutely not. Um, we have, you know, dedicated units within our companies that are that are that are built for faster and cheaper, and uh, we're very very keen to develop those. No question about that. But we still believe that every job is different, and there are different skills required for different jobs. Putting it all into the one sausage machine ain't the answer in our view. It does give you scale and and, and cost efficiencies though, and that's often often what a lot of clients are looking for, Rob. I suspect. We think we can get that same sort of cost efficiency by doing it a different way. I mean, we couldn't possibly have one production unit for our group. It would be, it's not our culture. What's the advantage of keeping it within your agency brands? Is that essentially what you're talking about there? Well, we, we first of all, it, you know, people um, within our group have a, a, a knowledge of what we're trying to do. They're skilled at what, they're dedicated to us. Uh, and they also understand that the nature of, I mean, again, if you're a creatively led organisation, um, you've got to have the ability for their creative leadership to make the work the way that they want it to be made, not have it done in a manner which is not using the right people. You know, many people have tried to centralise production over the years. I haven't seen it ever work. Let's switch gears a little bit to the conversations you're having with your your clients, the the, the brands and the marketers and the CEOs that you you talk to on client side. What's the conversation now? I'm sure it's changed since it started eight weeks ago, but how would you define uh, or characterise the sentiment and the the mindset now amongst your clients? Well, again, it depends. You know, clearly, you know, certain categories have been absolutely... Uh, knocked around. I think there's a growing sense that we're going to be more involved in in, in an e-commerce world than a than than we have ever. People have got used to communicating and and sorry uh, uh, buying more than ever online. So our, you know they're, they're, a lot of them are spending a lot of time building their e-commerce capabilities, enhancing their customer data knowledge, and uh, I think there's a, a relatively you know, uh, a, a growing sense of confidence in that. You know, clearly um, Australia and New Zealand are in a better spot than the US and, and particularly the U- and UK. And so it's very easy for, um, you know, the kind of um, doom and gloom that comes out of the US and, you know, Europe to pervade here. I, I think there is a, 
you know, a, a sort of feeling that this thing um, is going to, we're going to struggle through maybe till the, till the fourth quarter where you might see uh, a, a bit more growth. I mean, I think we're, you know, the media are predicting, you know, that, uh, you know, the, 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 the comparable years, the negative comp- comps will probably be less but towards the end of the year. So I I think we're seeing a, a, a probably a, a final quarter, which 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 is a bit better, um, and that'd be the view I think of most of our clients. Just I want to zip back to the to the e-commerce point you made. Uh, it's not a core capability uh, for historically for something for a group like Clemenger where it's been more communications and so forth. Can you do you do you, are you building out that capability now fast and can you compete with the likes of you know the other technology driven firms focused firms whether it be the consulting groups or beyond that have that tech depth can you cut it with them yes for example we acquired a company called Levo absolutely experts in that very area and they and they're becoming more and more and more aligned with Clemenger BBDO uh, and Colenso BBDO uh, and they've been involved uh, um, across our group, I mean they 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 are building uh, transactional e-commerce sites. I mean all the all the wool, all the wool auctions. Are, I mean they've built the whole capability. So people are buying the wool. The wool market is now done on a on a whole system that we've put up, and we've built. So yes, we saw it a while ago that we needed to get capability in, in this area, and we we had a couple of experiences where we tried to do it and 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 we couldn't build it. Uh, successfully, so we decided to acquire it, and and I do believe we've got the capability to mix it with uh, with just about anybody in that area. Do you think your 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 current creative bent in say some something like a, a Clemenger agency a bit of, a bit of a mindset shift and capability shift for your people in those groups though as they try to integrate uh, e-commerce into their uh, into their skill set? It's a good point. Once upon a time, we would have said, well, those people are very you know they're techie and they sit over there and they're kind of in a you know different world. What we've done is we've actually brought them into the centre, and so there is a absolute integration, so that we can understand. It's actually they're coming the other way. The creative leadership, for example, under James McGrath, is absolutely committed to understanding and 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 weaving that into what we do, and our clients expect it. I mean, for example, you know, we're working with Maya. Their, their business is, is um, you know, their online sales are growing at, at leaps and bounds. So we've got to be there with them and that capability is incredibly important. You talk about creativity in e-commerce. Uh, what about creativity in media? Um, it's a challenging one for big holding companies where you do have different silos. Now, you've got a little bit of a different mix. You've got a – Clemenger has a stake in – OMG, uh, Omnicom Media Group in Australia, right? But, but still, that that structural um, gap uh, or split, I should say, between creative and media. A lot of people are talking about that coming back together, despite lots of people saying that you can never put it back together. What's your take? I mean, we have a, a situation where CHE Proximities has a media um, capability, which is great. Again, um, that was born of 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 of, of what they do, it was, it, it's necessary for, to be able to link uh, content, uh, you know, with 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 distribution, particularly in the in the digital space. Um, I don't see that we that you can put the genie back in the bottle. I mean, you know, the big 
I mean, originally the media agencies were formed because clients wanted to aggregate their media spend. It wasn't the advertising industry who led that. So, you know, the, the as you say, the, um, the devolution of media and, and advertising content was something that, that happened. It isn't likely to change. Uh, I might wistfully uh, look back on the days when we had media totally integrated across the board, but I don't, I don't think you can you can alter. That's that's the, the, the train's left the station on that one. Well, there's an hour debate on that one, Rob. So we won't go there. But final question for you is: uh, in in this massive change that we've seen in terms of working from home over the last few months, has your worldview on how you can operate as a business without people inside a big office uh, every day, has that shifted? And do you see a work from home or a shift in the workplace? What percentage of people, some are talking 20, 30% might be moving around uh, flexibility, uh, flexibly. Uh, your take on that and are you open to it? It might reduce some costs for real estate, right? Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really difficult one, Paul. You know, I think we do work best when we're all physically together. And I think we are, our business is largely a social industry. I mean, you do socialise ideas, you, you have lots of discussion on things and, you, and, and, and creativity often is a collaborative thing um, and sitting at home is a little harder to do that. Alternatively, there are certain functions where there is, you know, there is really no argument that they can be done just as well. I don't think it's black or white and I don't think we know the answer yet. So, yes, it will change. Maybe we're going to have to have different premises strategies. Um, clearly, we're, we're thinking about that all the time. I think at the moment it's a case of getting through this thing and making sure that our people are safe and that, you know, we're doing everything right in terms of managing their physical and, and, and also mental health. I know we have a sort of thing here, you know, there's no going back. We've got to think about going forward and all of our companies are – are literally planning what will be different and what do we need to do to ensure that our offer in individual companies is in sync with what clients are needing. And indeed, we're, we're, we're looking at that on, on a company-by-company company basis and each of our leaders is, is, uh, is, is very much um, concentrating on coming up with those, those, those solutions. Well, you're, you're creatively inclined. What's your hunch in two years of what that might look like? <laughs> oh, God. Um, two years is a lifetime at the moment, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't know. I mean, two years we could be still sort of uh, getting out of this. In terms of the acceptability of it in your mind, could a 20% shift in, in, in how people are coming in and out of the office be feasible? Oh, I, I think absolutely, absolutely, Paul. I think there's no question that that's something that we've got to we've got to look at. And look, if someone is brilliant in a certain area, in this day and age, there is the ability to tap into them on a global level, not just in a in a, an Australian or New Zealand level. So yeah, there is much more fluidity. On the other hand, I think, and I, you know, we, there's a kind of dichotomy here because we've got more global capability and more accessibility for for global talent and so on. On the other hand, I think the local thing is becoming more important. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, reduction in the ability to travel, then the ability to jump on an aeroplane to go to a meeting and, you know, we were kind of like jumping on aeroplanes every second minute. I think that's going to change. And and I think, yeah, you'll do some of it, more of it remotely, but maybe 
you'll be much more local in terms of your catchment. Robert Morgan, fascinating conversation, um, and and thank you. We, we I guess we we might loop around in about three or four months and see uh, see how things are tracking then, based on what we think now. Fantastic. We'll talk again. Thanks, mate. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's moi, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.